This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Episode 6, Lost in Brazil. Steam billowed up from a pot on Grandpa's stove. It carried with it a smell that Sawyer and Susie would forever associate with fall. The smell of cinnamon and allspice as it bubbled its flavors into the boiling batch of apples. Everyone in the family had hounded Grandpa for his famous homemade apple cider recipe. They dropped not-so-subtle hints during family gatherings. 
Some offered to turn the delicious cider into a business. Others just seeked praise at their next social function. But to their great disappointment, the recipe remained a secret. That is, until Grandpa deemed someone worthy to pass it on to, as his grandfather had done with him, and his great-grandfather before him, and so on all the way back to the original Boone family in England. Being the recipe-bearer was a coveted honor. Grandpa strained the apples and filled three hefty mugs. Then he carried them out to Sawyer and Susie, who sat on the back porch swing. They both fidgeted with excitement as they carefully took a hot mug. One sip in the sweet fruit broth warmed them from the evening chill. The three of them sat, covered in Grandpa's flannel blanket that still held the faint smell of campfire, and together they sipped cider and looked out over the glorious smoky mountains, their yellow, orange, and red leaves rolling on into the horizon, a thin wisp of fog crowning their peaks. This would become one of many new fall traditions they would start at Grandpa's house, Grandpa agreed that after they helped him clean the house on Saturdays, he'd treat them to an unforgettable experience. Susie couldn't wait for the new traditions. The songs around the fire pit, the pumpkin carving contest, the zip lining from his back deck into the giant pile of hay, picking apples from his orchard. For her and the whole Boone clan, fall was a magical time where everyone seemed to slow down and appreciate each other in nature. That's pretty, Grandpa said, motioning to the new bracelet on Susie's wrist. Where'd you get it? Susie played with the little heart beads that spelled her name on the colorful string. My friend Jocelyn. She hasn't been feeling well, so I made her a get-well card, and to thank me for it, she made me this. Grandpa smiled. It's lovely. Thanks. Sawyer scrunched his nose. Wait, she made that while she was sick? So you're basically carrying her sickness around with you everywhere you go? Susie raised her eyebrows at him. She was recovering from surgery, Sawyer. Sawyer scooted away. I don't want to have surgery, he said before taking another sip. That's not how it works, son, Grandpa assured him. He looked at Susie. I hope she has a quick recovery. Me too, Susie said. Grandpa set down his mug. Ah, sitting here with you two, enjoying the crisp air is one of my favorite things. I look forward to it every year. But you know what I'd love even more? The twins looked at him, intrigued. What could possibly be better than this? Grandpa nodded towards the study. Sawyer shook his head. Huh? uh I'd like to visit this place one time where I'm not on the verge of death. I still can't remember anything from our last trip. We don't have to go if you don't want to, Grandpa said. But I was planning on making it a relaxing, sunny vacation. A trip you won't soon forget. I'll spin the globe and stop it somewhere real nice. Sawyer perked up. A relaxing vacation does sound pretty nice. I guess a quick trip couldn't hurt. Susie looked up from her bracelet. I could use a distraction, she said. Grandpa clapped his hands and rubbed them together. It's settled then. To the study. Moments later, they were standing over the globe. Grandpa pulled the guidebook from a crowded bookcase and packed it in his bag. He noticed Susie eyeing it. Not this time, Missy. When I come along, I hold the book. Susie lowered her head and fiddled with her bracelet. 
Okay, she said sheepishly. Then Grandpa walked up to the globe next to them and gave it a good spin. As the countries blurred, Grandpa studied it intensely, somehow recognizing the shifting shapes and colors, waiting for the perfect time to stop his finger. In a flash, he poked the globe and they were sucked into it. When the world around them stopped spinning, they were standing on a boardwalk. Behind them, a sprawling city, and in front of them, white sandy beaches overlooking the ocean. In the distance, over the water, they could see a rounded mountain sitting atop a peninsula. That's Sugarloaf Mountain, Grandpa said, pointing to it. One of my favorite views in all of Rio. Rio? Sawyer asked. Grandpa smiled. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. You've heard of Brazil, haven't you? Sawyer shrugged. I think so. Is it somewhere around Mexico? Not quite. A bit further than that. It's the largest country in South America. One of my personal favorites. Oh no! Susie cried. Grandpa turned to her. What's wrong? Are you okay? Susie rubbed her bare wrist. I, I lost my bracelet, she said, looking all around her. Grandpa smiled. Wait a minute, I have something here. He pointed to the chapter in the guidebook. I see. It looks like a clue. Sawyer raised an eyebrow. A clue to find her bracelet? Grandpa almost looked offended. That's right, boy. Never underestimate the power of the globe in guidebook. Believe it or not, it does look out for your well-being every once in a while. Let's see what it says. He tilted his head up and squinted down at the page through his glasses. Well, what do you know? Looks like it wants us to head to the Cristo Redentor. But first, a snack. That cider just didn't do it for me. Grandpa led them to a nearby cafe, his favorite spot. And apparently, by snack, he meant a whole meal— he treated them to feijoada, a classic Brazilian stew made of black beans, salted pork, spare ribs, and sausage, served with a side of rice. To wash it down, they drank green cans of guaraná, a delicious soda made from the guaraná plant native to Brazil. The meal was amazing, but Susie had a hard time enjoying it. All she could think about was her bracelet and about how her friend Jocelyn would be so sad to find out she'd lost it. After the meal, they headed back out to the beach where a surfing tournament was taking place. Surfers from all over Brazil jockeyed for position, trying to catch the perfect wave and gain as many points as possible. Grandpa stopped to watch for a moment. Grandpa, we don't have time, Susie reminded him. I really need to find that bracelet. Don't worry, my dear, we'll find it, Grandpa assured her. He stopped one of the surfers on the beach. Como tá indo? He asked the man in Portuguese, the main language spoken in Brazil. Todo bem? The man replied, surprised my grandpa spoke his language. Grandpa nodded at the surfers. Posso tentar? The man looked over grandpa with a surprised smile. Claro, homem, claro. Uh, Gramps, Sawyer interrupted, looking for a translation. I asked how he was doing and if I could give it a try. He said, of course. With that, Grandpa pulled hard at the sides of his sweater vest, making his turtleneck shirt and corduroy pants tear away in one easy motion. 
revealing a red and white striped leotard swimsuit. Sawyer's head jerked back. What the? Grandpa grabbed a board sitting in the sand and ran out to the waves. Sawyer and Susie watched him compete in the tournament, dominating every wave he rode. Sunbathers and beachgoers cheered as the elderly man shredded past his opponents. On his last run, he shot out the wave tube, walking up his board while doing a shoulder shimmy. Sawyer and Susie were embarrassed. Their grandpa looked like a dancing candy cane in his red and white striped leotard. The judges, however, loved every second of it. After Grandpa's final ride, they welcomed him on shore with a first-place medal in every category. Grandpa, Sawyer said impatiently. Grandpa Boone was busy signing surfboards for all his new fans. Grandpa! One second, I'm almost... Whoa! He looked up to see Sawyer as red as a lobster, every inch of his exposed skin sunburned. Sawyer hissed as Susie accidentally bumped into his arm. He shouted. Then he looked at Grandpa. Can we go now, please? Right away. Grandpa led them through the city and into the Tijuca Forest. They trekked to the top of Corcovado Mountain until they reached the giant Cristo Redentor statue. The robe depiction of Jesus stood a hundred feet above its platform looking out over the city with arms stretched out at its sides. Sawyer was impressed with the giant sculpture. It's humongous, he said, relishing the glorious shade it cast. Susie was too busy looking around the sculpture to notice its majesty. Grandpa, I'm not seeing the bracelet, she said, starting to sound panicked. Grandpa cracked open the guidebook. Hold on, let's see what it says. Something's fading onto the page here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grandpa, can I just read it, please? Susie reached for it, but Grandpa pulled it back. Uh-uh, I'm carrying the book this trip, he said, bouncing his bushy eyebrows. Don't worry so much. We'll find your bracelet soon enough. The guidebook never leads astray, and I could read its instructions just fine, my dear. It says, he squinted for a moment, It says to follow the statue's right arm. Susie looked up. The bracelet's on its right arm? I didn't say that. Its arm is pointing to where we need to go. He turned and pointed in the direction himself. That way, a thousand miles or so. A thousand miles, Sawyer repeated. That's right, no time to lose. Grab your Globetrotter tickets. We're heading for the Amazon rainforest. And so they were off, using the magical tickets to travel across the country into the jungles of the Amazon. Of all places, the jungle? Susie thought. Why is the guidebook leading us on a wild goose chase? Oh, whatever. If this is what she had to do to get that bracelet back, then so be it. She would do whatever it takes. Jocelyn was one of her best friends, and she couldn't let her down. But how had her bracelet gone so far? Did it fall off her wrist and get picked up by some bird? A jungle bird? Just as she thought it, the sounds of macaws filled the air. Above her, perched on the branches of a wide canopied tree, were hundreds of the bright feathered birds. The red, green, and blue feathered parrots squawked down at them, almost taunting them, daring them to go further. The trees were tall, thick, and wet. 
Vines and moss wound up their trunks up to the long, twisting branches that almost blotted out the sun entirely. It was humid, making Sawyer's shirt stick to his chest. The macaws weren't alone in making the jungle noisy. They were joined by a symphony of poisonous croaking frogs, howling orange-furred monkeys called golden lion tamarins, and of course, the steady buzzing of a million insects. Sawyer swatted one of them against his cheek, slapping his sunburned face in the process. Another one, he whined. We just got here and I've been bitten like 30 times. Little bubbles were starting to form all over his face. They itched like crazy. He would have tried scratching them, but just touching his sunburned face was too painful. Isn't it incredible? Grandpa said, oblivious to Sawyer's suffering. A true, unspoiled paradise. Susie jumped out of the way of a nosy anaconda. The giant snake was wrapped around a nearby tree trunk and trying to see if she would make a good lunch. Goo! I don't know if I'd call it that, she said. Grandpa looked out over a beautiful waterfall that cascaded over a half-domed cave and splashed into a clear pool surrounded by vines. The Amazon is the largest tropical rainforest in the world, he said. There are over 40,000 species of plants, 430 mammals, 1,300 types of birds, 3,000 species of fish, and of course, two and a half million kinds of insects. Sawyer and Susie gave each other a sideways glance. Grandpa hadn't even used the guidebook for those facts. Clearly, he'd been here a time or two. He continued, But it's not just home to critters. Here, take a look. Swatting away a poison dart frog like it was nothing, he pushed a large shrub aside. The clearing gave way to a beautiful view of a river. The Amazon River, he said. It's the second largest river in the world, second only to the Nile in Africa. And like it, both people and animals depend on its water. See what I mean? Grandpa pointed to the bank on the opposite side of the river. A little girl wearing a homemade skirt and a feathered headdress peered into the water with a spear at the ready. Watch, Grandpa whispered. After a couple quiet minutes, the young girl threw the spear down into the water. When she pulled it out, a piranha flailed on the end. The girl carefully slid the ferocious fish off the sharp stick into a pot like she was cleaning a kebab. Grandpa spoke quietly. They're called Amerindians, Indians of the Amazon. There are around 500 indigenous tribes who call this place home. They're hunters, gatherers, and farmers that live off the land. Some of them have never made contact with the outside world. Imagine that. Come on, let's go talk to them about your bracelet. Whoa, 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 Sawyer stopped him. Don't you think it'd be a bad idea strolling into their camp looking like Santa Claus in a candy cane outfit? I mean, what if it freaks them out? Grandpa gave him a blank look. Trust me, I won't freak them out. These people have made contact with the outside world. Maybe they're friends of mine. Sawyer nodded. Sure. Let me guess, you guys are pen pals. Or you really are, Santa. Come on, Sawyer. We need to get my bracelet, Susie insisted. Sawyer agreed and they headed for the village. Grandpa made them cross the river in a makeshift raft. 
It was nothing more than a couple dozen branches held together with rope. As they made their way to the other side, Grandpa slapped away the hungry piranhas with his branch paddle. At one point, Susie almost slipped and fell in, but Grandpa caught her inches from the water. Her eyes met those of a wide-eyed piranha, its razor-sharp teeth waiting anxiously for her to make one wrong move. When they reached the other side, they walked through the thick trees until they came to a clearing. Nestled among the dense jungle backdrop were little huts built up off the ground. The humble homes were made of bamboo and had straw roofs. Many of the people walking about wore beautiful feathered headdresses, like the one on the girl they saw fishing. They spotted that little girl as she made her way to a round communal hut made of palm leaves. The trick is, Grandpa said, to walk in as if you do it every day. They won't even notice. They did as he suggested, trying to look confident as they strode through the primitive village. But, of course, every Amerindian who saw them stopped what they were doing and stared. Many of the mothers retreated back into their huts, holding their babies close. Men approached cautiously with their spears pointed. One such man now stood in front of them and blocked their way to the round hut. Grandpa held up his hands and started making strange noises. Susie leaned over to him. What did you just say? Nothing. I think I just swallowed a mosquito. The indigenous man stared at them, confused as he tried to speak to them in his native tongue. It was obvious Grandpa didn't understand a word, which was surprising since he seemed to know just about everything else. We need bracelet, Grandpa explained slowly. He made a gesture by holding his hand over his wrist, hoping they'd understand. Instead, the man looked even more confused. He took a step closer with his spear. Um, that didn't work. Let's see. Grandpa scanned over the village and stopped at the girl from the river. She was wearing a beautiful handmade bracelet with little paintings on it. He pointed at it. Bracelet. There. Bracelet. We've lost our bracelet. Finally starting to catch on to Grandpa's theatrics, the man whistled at the little girl and then said something while pointing to his wrist. With a nod, the girl ran into her hut and quickly returned with another bracelet in hand. She gave it to Susie with a cute smile. But it wasn't THE bracelet. It was beautiful, though. Maybe even prettier than the one she was looking for. But it wasn't what she was looking for. Remembering her manners, Susie accepted the gift and thanked the girl with a smile. In return, Grandpa handed the man one of his surfing medals, which they held as if it were a gift from the gods. Grandpa put his arm around Susie. Sorry, Suze, looks like it's not here. But don't worry, we'll find it somehow. I feel it in my bones. After Grandpa gave the men the medal, the villagers celebrated their new guests. A fire was raised in the middle of the huts, dances were performed, food was served, and Grandpa was crowned with an elaborate feathered headdress. Despite missing her bracelet, Susie was starting to feel a little better. It was hard not to enjoy all of the positive attention. Sawyer, on the other hand, sat on a rock trying desperately to resist the itch in his face, which now looked like one giant mosquito bite. A few children behind them kicked a ball back and forth, playing what appeared to be a game of soccer. The ball bounced off a rock and came rolling toward Grandpa. 
He picked it up and looked at it. As if giving him an idea, he opened the guidebook and his eyebrows raised with surprise. I've got something here, he said. Another clue fading in. What does it say? Susie asked anxiously. Grandpa looked up at them. We're heading for Sao Paulo. Sawyer, Susie, and Grandpa said their goodbyes to the villagers and used the magic globetrotter tickets from the guidebook to travel to their next destination, Sao Paulo, Brazil. During all their last trips, Susie had wondered how the magical tickets had worked, how they'd somehow bounced them across countries in the blink of an eye. Grandpa had told them that there was no explanation, that the globe's magic was old and complicated, and that they didn't need to trouble themselves with such things. Just hold out your ticket and you'll be taken to the destination, he'd say. And that's exactly what they did. After they left the village and were out of sight from its people, they held out their globetrotter tickets and then poof, they were there, standing in front of a massive stadium. Grandpa looked over the giant round arena. Looks like it wants us to take in a game, he said. The World Cup of Soccer, no less. Sawyer perked up. He did like soccer, even though he wasn't any good at it. He was always the one to kick the ball into the wrong goal, at least once a season. It was an embarrassing tradition he'd started, scoring what felt like an all-too-easy goal, celebrating like a buffoon for a few minutes, and then having his coach pull him aside and tell him what really happened. That he didn't like. His favorite part was running around kicking the guts out of the ball and then eating orange slices and fruit snacks after the game. Excited to finally have something to look forward to and take his mind off his itching, burning skin, he followed Grandpa and Susie inside. The arena was enormous and packed full of loud fans, many of whom wore red, black, and white, the home team's colors. Entire sections held up a giant team flag that spanned a dozen rows at least. Sawyer was glad that wasn't their section. He didn't want to hold up a flag and block his view of the game. Grandpa handed the tickets to the worker who stared at them in shock. Desde jeito, said the woman. She led them down countless rows of seats until they stopped on the field. She double-checked the tickets to make sure she wasn't seeing things and then shrugged, pointing to the home team's bench. Sawyer's jaw dropped. Seriously? We're on the field? As they took their seats, the confused players gave them a look. Not that it bothered Sawyer, he just nudged them over with his tush and got comfortable. A couple of the players recognized Grandpa and talked quietly amongst themselves. The game was exciting. The Sao Paulo FC was playing Real Madrid from Spain and they were losing. Fans jeered and booed every time the refs made a call against the home team, even if it was obvious they were right. At halftime, they were down five goals. Susie was getting anxious again. Her knees bounced up and down. I don't see how this is going to help us find my bracelet. Trust the guidebook, Grandpa said, giving her a wink. Suddenly, a camera crew stood in front of them, and their faces filled the jumbo screen in the arena. Sawyer tried to hide his burnt, swollen face, and Susie shifted uncomfortably in her seat. Grandpa, in his leotard swimsuit and feathered headdress, smiled and waved confidently into the camera. The crowd went wild. Sawyer knew they'd get picked out for Grandpa's ridiculous outfit, or at least that's what he thought until he heard the announcer shout, Kaboom! 
just as they'd heard during the hockey game in Canada. Sao Paulo's coach came up to Grandpa and exchanged a few words. Grandpa stood from the bench and looked at the twins. I'll be right back, he told them. Susie started to panic. Where are you going? They've asked me to coach the second half. It's been a few years, but they seem to think I still have it in me. With that, he turned and walked over to his team. The arena exploded with excitement as Grandpa led the team to one of the greatest comebacks in Brazil's history. During one of the stretches, a stray ball was kicked hard off the sidelines and ricocheted off Sawyer's forehead, nearly taking his head off. Sawyer couldn't remember much of the game after that, but he heard it was one of the greatest matches ever coached. Grandpa Boone led the team to victory, bringing home the World Cup for Brazil. After all the celebration in the arena had died down and the last of the confetti had fallen, Susie tugged on Grandpa's swimsuit. Grandpa, what now? she asked. Oh, that's right, the bracelet. I almost forgot. He took the guidebook off the bench and flipped it open. It says to go up 40 bleachers that way. They followed the instructions, hiking up the steps until they reached row 40. Now, step over four chairs. This is getting ridiculous, Sawyer said, nursing the newly formed goose egg on his forehead. Almost done, Grandpa encouraged. You won't believe this, but it says to stop right here and do twenty jumping jacks. Rolling their eyes, Sawyer and Susie did as they were told. Neither of them understood the point of the ridiculous exercise, but they did it anyway. After twenty jumping jacks, they stopped. Grandpa read on. Ah, finally. It says to look up in three, two, one. The three of them looked up at the giant screen which displayed the time. Just as they did, it changed to four o'clock. And just like that, they were back in Grandpa's study. Susie lost it. Wait, what? We never got my bracelet. The globe was wrong. We have to go... She trailed off as Grandpa lifted her bracelet off the leather chair and held it out for her. But how did it... she started to say. I saw it fall off your wrist just before we left, Grandpa said with a chuckle. You mean you knew where it was all along? Sawyer asked in disbelief. What about all those crazy clues? Grandpa shrugged. I made them up. I was just joshing with you. I used to do that to my old war buddy Josh all the time. Yeah, it was good fun. Until I did that with his wedding ring. Huh. I'd wondered why he stopped coming by. He stroked his beard thoughtfully, then noticed their stunned faces. Oh, please, you got some souvenirs in the process, didn't you? Susie looked down at the beautiful handmade bracelet from the village girl. It was an amazing memento. Grandpa was covered in souvenirs. Surfing medals, an elaborate headdress, and a World Cup trophy. And Sawyer? Well, Sawyer looked over his souvenirs. A second-degree sunburn, at least 50 mosquito bites, and a goose egg that protruded from his forehead like a unicorn horn. Grandpa handed him some cream for his skin, and then led them back out onto the porch where their cider was waiting for them. They sat and took up their mugs, taking in the dramatic change of scene. Susie played with her bracelets, then sipped her cider, which was still warm. Grandpa handed Sawyer a little piece of crumpled paper. 
I'm sorry the trip didn't turn out the way you wanted, Sawyer, he told him. But maybe this'll make you feel better. Sawyer unfolded the note and then smiled. It was the apple cider recipe. You've been listening to Grandpa's Globe, a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to tune in next Monday for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.